This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, Hopeland Church? I am super excited uh, to be here with you today to dive into the Word of God. Here we go. I hope you enjoyed worship. Um, and um, I believe that God's going to speak you speak to you today. Uh, this is part three of family, and today we're going to talk about uh, when friends become family. All right, we're going to talk about this um, today, and and just the element and the aspect of when when friend friends are like you know literally family to us, um, and so. We're going to dive right in to John chapter 13, um, right here in a moment. Let me pray um, as we get into the word and, um, and before we get into the word, and then we'll get started. So Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that you speak to us. We pray, Father God, that you anoint this moment, anoint this time, and uh, change us, God. Change us, Jesus. Uh, Lord, give us revelation. Uh, God, give us insight. Give us Lord, uh, kingdom principles, kingdom truths, uh, truths from your word that are going to empower us to walk with you through this life. We thank you, God, that we are not of this world. We are in it, but not of it. And we are living, God, in the spirit, walking in the spirit, being led by the spirit. And I pray that the word of God, by the spirit of God, uh, speaks to us, changes us, and, 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 and gives us something to hold on to uh, that, Lord, is not of this world, but, but of heaven um, from the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. All right, let's dive right in. So here we are, folks. We're in John chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 13 all the way to 17. Um, this is the words of Jesus, and he was speaking about uh, friendship, true friendship. And so here we go. Um, verse 13 of John 15, uh, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Uh, somebody say friends. Verse 14, uh, you are my friends, right? Look at that. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. It is what he is saying to us. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. And I know we've kind of talked about this the last couple of weeks, but um, it's, it's just interesting in the word how when you, when you see relationship, friendship, uh, or family, you know, the family of God, there's always this connection to some sort of mandate um, that we are family, that we belong, but we're called to do something. Jesus said, I am about my father's business. And we are the family of God. But in that we are his beloved, we are called to know him, to walk with him. And with that, in the kingdom of God and scripturally, it comes with a mandate that we are connected to Jesus. He is our kinsman redeemer and he gives us our assignment. 
And so here it is again, you know, you are my friends. And he's like, if you do what I say, somebody say family, somebody say mandate. Okay, they go together. But in verse 15, uh, no longer do I call you servants. Uh, for a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. He reiterates this, friends. I've called you friends. It's the, it's the um, Greek word um, philos or phylos. It's where you get the, the name, the city, Philadelphia. Okay, it is a Greek word and it's really, it's, it's a friend. It's, it's one of the words used for love. It's, a, it's one of the words for love and it, it means affection, Okay, it means to personally prize, okay? Um, look at somebody and tell them we all need friends, okay? Um, it means like a trusted confidant, dearly loved. So it is, it is an affection, it's a love, it's a, a friend. Anybody got friends like that? Where you, you um, they're, they're a trusted confidant, right? Uh, they're dearly loved and they are personally prized. These are friends and this is who Jesus says we are. We're gonna talk about this, and this is kind of my, my first point, if you will, and I already said it, I already said it, but, but let me just say it again here, um, that uh, you know this is all about today when friends become family, okay? And so I, I think that term friends, family, are kind of interchangeable at times, okay? This doesn't take away from your literal biological family, um, but there, there's this notion of friendship in the scripture and, it, and it's really deeper than just, you know, just some acquaintance, all right? And so here we go. Um, but I've called you friends. Uh, for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Uh, verse 16, you did not choose me. This is literally one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, by the way. John 15, 16, interesting our address here is um, in Boyle Heights is 1516 East First Street. Um, praise the Lord. But uh, John 15, 16, uh, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So look at this in the context of friendship. Once again, he, he's talking about, man, I chose you. You didn't choose me and I appointed you. There, there's this assignment, this correlation. I believe that um, we need friendship. But I'm telling you, to survive and thrive in the will and plan of God, we must know our assignment. And we must know that we are about an assignment, that there is a cause, there is a reason. Even our vision as a church is that we would encounter God, uh, walk in freedom, fulfill God's purpose, and then change your world. I, I'm telling you, this thing always leads to an assignment. That This thing in God leads to an assignment, a, 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 a clear um, 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 task or assignment to fulfill in the earth. He says, look, I did not, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to what? Appointed you to what? That you should what? Go. That you should go. Somebody say assignment. Say mandate. Somebody say, I got an assignment. Somebody say, I, I have a mandate to go and to bear fruit. All right. And that your fruit should remain. Okay. That whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. Verse 17, these things I command you. Okay that you love one another. Look at that, all in the middle of assignment, being appointed to go to bear fruit is that we love one another. Somebody say friendship, okay? That we love one another. Uh, friends, uh, phylos or philos, all right? Hallelujah. Um, even the book of Acts, uh, Luke wrote it to Theophilus. 
Theophilus, Philos. And so Theophilus is friend of God. So, you know, uh, Theo, God, uh, Philo, uh, Theophilus, Phyllis is from the word friend or, 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 or beloved. So the beloved of God, I'm telling you today that you are Theophilus. You are the friend of God, that you are beloved of God, that you are loved of God. All right. So when friends become family, all right, when friends become family, this, this notion of friendship, Jesus talked about it. That's who we are. We aren't just his servants. We are his friends. All right. He, uh, he is not just our Lord, but he is our brother and our friend. Okay. So uh, let's look at Philemon chapter one, verse one. Um, Philemon verse one here. Um, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother to Philemon, um, our beloved friend. This is in the New King James. Um, some just say beloved um, or dearly loved. Okay. But look, beloved friend and fellow laborer. All right. I just want to kind of give some definitions here of the word. This this notion in the scripture of friendship. We're talking about family, and I believe this, these things are so important. Um, these things are so important. Friendship is so important. I know that you don't need to be saved or walking with God or 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 or, or have a revelation of Jesus to understand the importance of friendship and to value that. All right, and to desire that. Right, I, I, we are created. Uh, for friendship. We are created to connect, um, to find fulfillment in relationships with others. Um, I know, you know, you out there, I'm sure you've got that one friend, maybe two, maybe three, maybe more than that, but that you, they are truly um, your philos, the, your phylos, those that are in your life, they're trusted confidants. You can talk to them about anything and they're not going to judge you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to be there for you. They're going to listen to you. We need these friends. That's when friends become family, okay? All right? So here we go. I just want to give you the definition of this word, and then we're going to kind of move on from here. But this word in Philemon, uh, this, the first verse of that book, um, beloved friend, it's actually from the word agape, different word of love, aga, agapetos. It means divinely loved one, okay? And this type of love is specific to God, the Father's love for Jesus, it's used uniquely here in Christian community, and it's used for Christians that we are loved by God, the Father, loved by Christ, and loved by one another, okay? And so here it is. Paul is speaking of another believer. He's writing this letter to, and he's saying, man, you are dearly beloved. You are a beloved friend. All right, so Proverbs chapter 17 Verse 17, let's turn there, folks. Proverbs 17, 17, all right, when friends become family, all right? So here we go. Um, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I'm gonna read it again. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. When it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to our purpose that we have received from God, when it comes to the kingdom of God, God does this thing uh, of, of our purpose, our destiny. He, 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 he matures us. He grows us 
in and through the context of friendship. This is how it works. I know, uh, you know, in, in our world today, we, we love the classroom, you know, and, uh, and we love the environment to learn, okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. But spiritual maturity and spiritual growth is not relegated to a classroom. It's not how we grow spiritually. It is a part of it, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we gather in the church, we sit and listen to the word. Yes, that is part, but I'm telling you, even in my own walk with God, uh, since I got saved as a teenager, if I could really look at my growth, where did that really happen? Where was I truly growing and, 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 and developing in my walk with God? Uh, the most the, the growth that happened was through true relationship with others, walking with the Lord. That is how spiritual growth takes place. Jesus knew this as a man when he walked the earth. He's like, if I'm gonna pass on this mandate of the gospel, I must do life with them while I'm here. It, it was, they, you know, Jesus brought them into the proverbial classroom, if you will, but it was in the framework of real life, day to day. And this is how God works. This is how we grow, okay? Just because you read and study the Bible and attend church or listen online and watch online, that is a part of growth, but true growth happens in the context of friendship. Jesus knew this, why? That's why he said, that's why he said, I do not call you servants, but I call you friends. I call you friends. Okay, there's, you know, Hebrew tradition, they, they, this is how um, even uh, rabbis, how they were trained and raised was through what we would call discipleship, that part of entering into, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the rabbinical process of becoming a rabbi, you, you literally had to be mentored one by one. It's how it works. Come on, somebody say amen. And so us in Christ, walking with the Lord, it, 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 we must, this is the point, we must learn how to do friendship. We, we must learn how to, how to befriend others and how to allow others to befriend us. This, this, this is how we will be fulfilled. We would, in, we would enjoy this journey with God, enjoy life itself, and hallelujah, grow spiritually, all right? And so here we go. Once again, Proverbs 17, 17. I know I've already said it a couple times, but a friend loves at all times. This, this is what we must learn to do for others in the kingdom of God. When friends become family, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity, okay? And so in learning how to do friendship, um, it's not easy. It can be difficult at times. And, um, and, and it will be difficult and it, it will uh, make us sad. It will make us mad. It will make us angry at times. Come on, because people are people. Come on, let's just be honest, right? So, so uh, but this is how we grow, okay? Th this is key. This is paramount. This is a foundation stone in your spiritual journey with Jesus is that you would walk on this journey with others and authentically be friends, authentically prize others and be prized by them, okay? 
And so with this said, um, we, we must know uh, these next two points I'm going to share, okay? We're going to talk about this for a bit because this is where the rubber meets the, the road of relationship. This is where it gets real. This is where it gets real because you get in relation with people and stuff gets real, okay? And, and I believe this is the part of God showing us what we need to work on. Difficult people and difficult situations and even people we genuinely love and are genuine French friends with and are genuinely walking with God with and they genuinely encourage us and genuinely stir us in purpose and they genuinely love God and genuinely love us and all that good stuff is there. Even in all the good stuff, there's going to be some bad days. There's going to be some arguments. There's going to be disagreements. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be, um, you know, some, some, there's going to be some iron sharpening iron. There's going to be some friction there. And that is part of it. You can't extract that out of relationship. You cannot take that out of the journey. You know what I'm saying? When people try to avoid that to such a degree that they avoid people, I'm telling you, you're going to walk down a road of being a, 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 an extremely unhealthy person. Um, even in the difficulty of relationship, it is what helps us grow in our faith and grow as people. We need people. As difficult as they are, we need people. As difficult as we are, people still need us. Come on, somebody say amen to that, okay? So here we go. I, I said all that to say this, that in the reality of relationship are, are these two things, and I'm going to say them, and then we're going to talk about them, and it is... The, the next point here, every relationship has context. Okay, we're going to talk about this. I'm going to say it again. Every relationship has a context. Okay, and we need to understand the context of the relationship. You've got to understand what is the context? What is surrounding it? Why is it this way? What is the history? What is the, the context of the relationship? Okay, next one. We're gonna talk about both of these together. Every person <laughs> is in a condition, all right? So let me say those again, okay? Um, every relationship has a context, and every person is in a condition, okay? And we, this is why I'm saying these, we need to understand these. We need to understand the context of the relationship and accept it. And we must understand the condition of the person and accept them, okay? We must, we must, we must, we must, we must, okay? And so um, conditions and situations don't change our love for people. That's why, that's why I wanted to share that verse first, okay? Proverbs 17, 17, right? What does it say? A friend loves at all times. What is it saying? Let's unpack it with respect to the, the, to the message today. A friend loves in every context, regardless of the condition of the person. All right? A friend loves at all times, in every context, and regardless of the condition of the person. Okay? And a brother is born for adversity. You notice this correlation in this verse. With friend, it's got all times, I mean. Because when you have friends, there's going to be some mountains and valleys. There's going to be some wildernesses. There's going to be some, you know, some cloudy days, right? And there's going to be some adversity. And that's what we are there for. And that's what they, 
that they would be there for us, okay? So once again, every relationship has a context, okay? And every person is in a condition. We must accept and understand the context of every relationship, and we must accept and understand the condition of the people we're in relationship with, all right? Okay, so um, conditions and situations, you know, um, they change, but we must love and receive love from others regardless of that. Um, now, now, when, now, conditions and context don't mean we don't love, okay? They, they just mean we may need to put up boundaries, okay? And or maybe let down some walls and boundaries because of the context and the condition potentially has changed for the better, okay? So, um, so somebody's condition and context may mean that boundaries must be put in place, but they never mean that we don't love them. When it comes to relationship and you're dealing with the context and you're dealing with the condition, okay? And we need to understand this because many times in these situations, we are dealt a hand. We are dealt a hand, okay? Um, the relationship you have with your parents, the relationship you have with your spouse, the relationship you have with um, friends, the relationship you have with people you grew up with, the relationship you have with whoever, whoever that is. You, you are dealt a hand. Those people are in your life for one reason or another. And many times this is what we do is we start to compare a relationship with other relationships. We start to look at so-and-so's relationship with their dad. We're like, man, that looks like something I wish I had. I don't have it. Now, it's literally impossible to not compare, meaning to not look at something and go, wow, man, that's better than what I have, right? Or that, dang, that, look at that marriage. Look how he treats her, right? Or look how she treats him. So it's literally impossible to not have that thought, okay? But it is possible to not give into it and create this comparison. It is unhealthy uh, because sometimes we have to learn to deal with the hand that has been given to us, okay? And... Um, and some of those things are, we have more of a choice in certain relationships, but some we, we didn't get to choose our parents. And I'm not saying that, you know, every relationship with a parent is bad or, or you know, I'm not insinuating that, but sometimes it's in those kind of things we, we really compare, um, especially if you, maybe some people out there, you know, you didn't even grow up with your parents or, you know, but regardless of your situation in relationships, it is the, the devil's um, tool to get us to compare. And, and that just sends us down the wrong road. That just sends us into a dark place. It can and will, and I'm sure we've all experienced it. But I would say just as a somewhat of an object lesson, and I know that um, relationships aren't a game, life is not a game. But just as an example of that, if any of you have ever played cards before, whatever kind of cards here, I got some cards here. I got five cards and uh, when I was growing up, my family used to play a lot of poker, just low key at the house during the holidays and they would use pennies, pennies, they'd gamble with pennies, right? And so interesting, we had all the kids playing, but I always, even as a kid, I'm talking childhood, uh, elementary age, this was when I was living with my biological father and my stepmom and we'd go uh, to Christmas parties with my step family um, with her side 
And uh, I was, you know, those are some good times as a kid, you know. So most of the time I talk about my childhood, you people hear about the craziness, but but we'd play poker. So I, you know, I, I and I would, and all the kids would come to the table like, Sean, what are you doing? You know, and I'm like, I'm kicking it with the adults. I want to, so, and then, you know, the way poker is, is you, you deal with what was given to you. And many times in certain relationships, we must understand the condition and context and um, learn in God to deal with it. Can I get an amen? Okay. Um, I didn't know what I was going to get here. This isn't too bad of a hand, you know what I'm saying? For those that play poker, I got two aces, you know what I'm saying? And if we're if we're allowed to trade, I probably trade these these other three and see what I get. But the the point is, many times relationships are like that, and um, we'll, we'll start to compare our hand with other people. But I'm here to tell you right now that God is good, and here it is. This verse isn't in my notes, but I'm gonna say it in Romans chapter eight, right? You guys know where I'm going with this, I'm sure. But all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose, and regardless of the hand. And many of you know come up some of the dark, hurtful things that happened to me as a child. I had to learn to deal with that hand. I didn't ask for that hand. I didn't ask for it. It affected my relationships for many years, and it's still something I need to deal with and process. It's sometimes distrust, you know, not trusting, being apprehensive, maybe being even, maybe at times having emotions that, somewhat paranoid or, um, you know, got to watch my back based on how I grew up. But I have to, I've had to learn and learn how, God, what can you do with this hand that has been given to me? All right. And so we must learn not to compare our relationships to other people's relationships. Okay. Um, you've got to know, I'm going to read from my notes here. You've got to know who you're dealing with and what you're working with. You got to know that because that is healthy. Because what happens is when the one in your relationship is seemingly not doing what you see in somebody else's relationship, we start to have unhealthy expectations. Uh, my wife and I were counseling somebody not too long ago, and it was about this young adult, young lady's relationship with her dad. And her language was very much, well, this is what his dad is supposed to do. And he's not doing it. This is what dads do. I've never had this. And the cry of her heart was genuine. The heart, the hurt was real. But, you know, we prayed for her. But, and we encouraged her. And, and, and one of the things we had to get to was, look, that is the context and condition of your father. And... You will go nowhere spiritually if you sit there and complain about the fact that he's not what you see happen in other people's relationship with their father. All right? Um, hey, have your moment. It, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with expressing the desire for that. But um, when we do that, we, we must look at that as, okay, I'm just going to press the pause button and have my moment. But I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get on with it. I got to get up out of this. We've got to know who we're dealing with and what we're working with and learn to accept people, especially biological family, with, because nothing changes biology. 
So we have to learn to accept and love, okay, this is who they are. This is, And I believe God will heal and God will give us wisdom on how to navigate even relationships that you wish were better, okay? So knowing the context of the relationship and the condition of the person helps us to have healthy expectations, all right? It helps us to have healthy expectations, all right? Let's look at this. Proverbs 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I'm gonna read it again, all right? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. All right, so accept people who they are. Okay, and when we do this, okay, this empowers us to move forward in our relationship with one another and with God. Um, too many people camp out and stay in a place because of unmet expectations in a relationship. Now, the relationship, this is why it's important to understand the context. Why? Because context kind of helps determine the type of conversations you have. Context helps the kind of conversation you have. Well, I've told him and 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 I talked to him and he won't do it and he doesn't do it. And, you know, or she, you know, my, you know, my mom, I've talked, okay, okay, okay. Now that's telling us something. Okay. That's telling us about condition and that's telling us about context. And sometimes we got to learn how to cease the need to try to control somebody to a degree that they act the way we want them to. And we got to let them be. You know, and the Bible talks about this. In preaching the gospel to certain cities, Jesus told his disciples, look, if they don't receive you, y'all need to set a boundary. What did he say? He didn't say that exactly. But he said, look, dust your feet. Move on. Now, when I say move on, I understand that that's a strong word. But you know what I mean? You got to uh, continue moving in God without trying to make people jump, th jump through your hoops. And it comes a point where you're saying, okay, this is who they are. This is where they are. I'm going to pray for them. I'm here for them. And I could pray for an open door to have a conversation, to be real and to talk about things. But when the adjustments are not being made and, and, and it's not meeting your expectation, you got to learn to say, okay, I'm going to love them how they are, where they are. All right. And I'm going to have to navigate the frustration and, and, and understand, okay, this is context and this is condition. We must learn to accept people for who they are. This is the wisdom we need in every relationship we have. And every relationship is different. So the level of, of conversation, of maybe the back and forth challenge, I believe every married couple must have these uncomfortable conversations proactively and engage in them. Now, there might be a hot button issue and, the, and you need to pray on that. Pray for the right open door, the right timing. I believe many times, many times, most of the time, most of the time in a relationship with a husband and a wife, the motive is right even when we, even when we want to confront. The motive is right because we want them to be better. We want the relationship to be better. Many times I'll tell you when we miss it. We miss it in the timing. We miss it in the timing. I miss it in the timing. That's where I miss it. Many times I, I'm, I'm so... Uh, I'm, I, I like to get things resolved and let's, let's handle it now. Let's deal with it. Let's close the door. Let's finish it. Let's get, let's get down and dirty and deal with it. And not everybody thinks that way. Not everybody processes that way. And I, I've, 
um, you know, caused harm uh, it went with, with my drive to want to solve a problem so fast. And it's just people, not everybody's like you, right? But I think uh, in uh, having those difficult conversations, the context, like I said before, determines the level. Um, with my family, my, like my, my family, my, my, my relationship with my parents is much different than Crystal Gale, my wife's relationship with hers. So I can easily look at her relationship and just compare, just, you know, and be like, man. Um, but the context is different. And in Christ, God will heal and empower you to deal with any context in a loving way. And that you, your context does not victimize you. And if there are seriously hurtful, unhealthy, abusive contexts in relationship, those require very strong boundaries, hard boundaries, right? So context determines boundaries, condition determines, determines boundaries. Boundaries are necessary in every condition and context. Somebody say amen. That is why this is so important, okay? That's why this is so important. Once again, we must learn to accept people for who they are, and we must learn to um, know the context. All right, here we go. We're gonna end with this verse. We're gonna end with this verse. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse one, one to three. And I'll, I just wanna uh, share this, a, a relationship of people in the scripture and what that relationship brought to the table. And I, I really believe these two things I'm gonna share, I'm gonna close with these two, but these two things out of 1 Thessalonians chapter three, verses one to three, we're gonna read that in a second, but these two things will bless every relationship. And I believe these two things are God's intention for, for relationships in Christ, relationships with other believers, I believe that these two elements ought to be a piece of those relationships. They ought to do this right here. Okay, here we go. First uh, Thessalonians chapter three, verse one. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. This is Paul writing to Thessalonica. Uh, he came there, planted that church. Persecution happened. And uh, Paul left at night, had to dip out, went. Um, and then he had to flee again because the Jewish leaders were trying to come after him. And so as a result, he sent Timothy to them. So verse two, and sent Timothy. So this is very relational. That This church was in a tough moment, in adversity. And Timothy, a person in the community of believers, was sent to them. So and as I sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Somebody say mandate. This is why, this is why he was sent. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Verse three, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Two things that this person, flesh and blood, was sent to a community by the apostle Paul. Two things he desired for them to do two things that he did. He did two things, establish. Establish them 
and encourage them. And, 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 the, and the definition of these words, um, establish. I believe that's what friends should do. This is my next point, is friends establish us. Now, I'm talking about those spiritual friends. I'm talking about the, the benefits and blessings of having relationships, true friendship with other believers as they establish us. What does that mean? That means that what, what Timothy did uh, as somebody in their life was that relationship he had with them, he helped them to be fixed in the will of God. That evaluate your relationships and are there people in your life that are causing you to remain, to be faithful? Are, are they promoting that, that you are spiritually um, fixed, uh, established, settling you? Um, um, you know, kinda like they're part of helping your roots in God go deeper. Those are blessings from God. And that's God's intention for relationship right there. And the next one, it says, it says that he encouraged them. And this is my last point, is friends comfort us. That's what that word means. So, so we need friends for both of these. We need them for these. These, um, these, these. these attributes, these characteristics of true divine relationships, godly relationships, people in the kingdom, when, when friends become family is when they do this, okay? Is they are there and I mean, they strengthen you spiritually. They help to establish you in the kingdom of God, help to help to ground you, help to plant you, help to keep you rooted in the things of God. Hold on to these people, all right? I hope the church in Thessalonica held on to Timothy. Man, because he when he showed up, they got established. They got settled. And when he showed up, he comforted them. This word comfort is the same word used of the Holy Spirit. He is our comforter. He is our paraclete, our paracletos, the one called along our side to help. Somebody that's intimately close enough to you. And just the relationship alone brings a comfort to you. Even when you're going through the hard times, we need people, church. We need friends and we need to be friends to others. And what does that mean in the scripture? is that we establish people that our faith and their faith, the communion, the fellowship, the koinonia, when that goes down in the spirit, when that is happening, when there's that divine spiritual exchange between two people and among multiple people, that people are established, settled, grounded, and you know, uh, just settled in the will of God. And they are comforted, they are encouraged, they, they, they feel and experience the genuine love and the comfort of God coming through their friends. Hallelujah. That's what we're called to do, church. And that's what we're called to receive from others is that friends establish us and friends comfort us. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.